0: You're listening to Compassion Radio 360. Morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio 360. Are you ready to take a look at the world as it really is? Um, And hopefully find a couple things about the Word of God, as it really is, that is inspired by or at least brought to light through the things we see in the world around us. I do believe that God brings us to His Word by bringing us through life and helping us to turn back to the Scriptures and find out what the real thing is behind all the things we think are so important and so real.
1: Yeah, I think for me, this practice of viewing the world through that lens has been transformational. Just that I can look at a news story and begin to see how God can work through things or is working through things, even when people may not realize or The story gives me a feeling of, wow, how would God look at this story? What kind of things can we bring out of this story that remind us of who God is and what God's real work is in our lives?
0: So, where do we start?
1: Well, this article is from the New York Times, and it was a few weeks ago that it was published about a church in Philadelphia that was hoping to do some renovations. Now, it's a very old church. The church was built in the early 1900s. This congregation that ended up buying this building wanted to modernize it. Their attempts to get rid of the old and bring in the new had a pretty devastating twist on them. But a pretty exciting twist for someone else.
0: Indeed. They were not wanting to demolish the building necessarily, but they needed to convert it into a new youth space. Anybody who's working construction, especially in America, knows that rehabbing buildings or converting them to something else can be very expensive business. Right. And churches aren't always you know loaded with cash, re-outfitting an old building for new purposes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ministry is ministry. So it's not like they're going to be doing something totally different with a building turning it into a restaurant or something. It's that ministry has happened in this building for probably 100 years or more. Yeah. And now the needs of this generation may be a bit different. This old sanctuary, old pews and some old windows that have just been grimed over for years and years and years that people can't even see through anymore. Stained glass showed up behind all this grime, but Mm -hmm. no one could see it. There's no light getting through it. So no one gave it much thought.
1: Exactly. So the church decided rather than just demolish these windows, let's see if someone wants to buy them. Let's see if we can just put it out there on Facebook Marketplace, basically, and see if we get any nibbles. Well, a gentleman in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, saw this and thought, you know... Maybe I could use those. I know people that are really interested in that and reselling it and everything. He is an antiques collector, mm-hmm. buying up stuff that will fit in the back of his Chevy pickup truck.
0: At you least know, is actually focused on certain kinds of yes. memorabilia or antiques.
1: Yeah, pieces of Americana, pieces of religious history, old things like that. We know people that have old church pews in their homes, and it's just kind of a fun throwback. Last fall, he decided to buy two really large round windows.
0: That no one had seen through and. In- decades, <laughs> Years,
1: yes, from a dilapidated Gothic revival church in Philadelphia, the church that we've been talking about. They were just going to smash them if no one wanted to buy them. But he stepped in and said, no, no, I'll buy them. And he paid $6,000 for these windows, plus a few other fixtures like pews and pulpit stands and that sort of thing.
0: And like a lot of antique projects, once you get into it, things tend to start adding up. Yeah. So beyond the 6000 he bought of materials, he had to figure out how to get them out without destroying the building. Mm-hmm. That in itself cost him tens of thousands of dollars to get these things out of the building. But he kept his end of the bargain, got them all out, and then tried to figure out, what can I do with these things? Right. And that's when people that do junk and antique collecting find reliable appraisers, people that know what they're talking about. And this turned out to be an unexpected find.
1: Exactly, exactly. We took him to an auction house in Philadelphia that specialized in antique glass and antique fixtures. Once they cleaned them up, they realized that they had quite a treasure.
0: The name Tiffany comes to mind.
1: Absolutely. These were some original Tiffany stained glass windows. Some Tiffany things are signed, most are not.
0: People that study these artistic trends and materials know all about.
1: Exactly. Turns out these windows were estimated in value between one hundred dollars
0: and $250,000. A piece? A piece. Okay. A quarter of a million dollars <laughs> up east. But these are not small windows. So if somebody buys us, they're really intending to buy it.
2: Right. Because
0: these rose windows were about eight feet across. Yeah. And yeah. they were nothing from the street because they were way up at the top of this church. And there was no light inside to illuminate these things, probably stuck in an attic for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Nobody could see the gem right in front of their faces.
1: Yeah. Well, the pastor of this church said, I had no idea the value of these windows. I didn't have a team around me that knew anything about it. He felt a little embarrassed by it. But, you know, I, I got to give him a little credit here because I don't know that I would have known the value of something like that as well, especially if it was covered with muck and grime and years of neglect.
0: How many people go to a church that's been around for a long time, that has been run down because people couldn't afford to keep it up very well, but it's still their home. They love it, but they don't really see it for what it could have been in its heyday. Mm-hmm. And they don't see what it could become in the future as it is. They just see a problem. Right. A lot of congregations get left with a lot of liabilities over the years. They need to be fixed, or a bathroom has a plumbing problem. If something happens where it's like, man, that's just annoying.
2: Right.
0: So what are we going to do about it? What they tend to see is the thing they have to do, and is deal with their feelings about the necessities Not necessarily about the vision for something. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that kind of surprised me about this article. It was so obvious once you actually paid attention that a great treasure was being missed here.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And maybe ask the question myself, how many things do we miss about real value and things? And not just metaphorically, but even intrinsic value. We say we could even sell this and give the money to missions or actually finish doing the entire renovation of our church because we discovered this riches right in our midst. Mm -hmm. And that's where this young pastor was kind of stuck. He felt kind of foolish for having missed that obvious intrinsic value right in front of his nose. Mm -hmm. Maybe he learned his lesson through that too, but it's not so much about being jealous or envious of somebody else's success in finding the treasure, but learning something from those who are able to find treasure. Mm -hmm. And that's where I wanted to focus today.
1: Yeah, I mean, we know from scripture that Jesus has told parables about finding great treasure, the treasures that are hidden that are not easily seen by the naked eye. This is a good reminder that we do absolutely have to look beyond our own preconceived notions, beyond our agenda, and deeper into a situation to see what treasure might be hidden right in front of us, like you said, honey, right before our eyes things that we just neglect to see because we're not looking for them. We do need to be reminded on a regular basis. We have to look deeper. We have to look intentionally to find the treasure in hidden places.
0: In the book of Matthew, now Matthew is the first gospel in the New Testament that we have in our Bible. And it's a collection really of five books of things that focus on teachings, on history, on genealogy and things. But it all encompasses the many different aspects of Jesus' ministry on earth for the Jew that expected these things to be talked about. People have said that Matthew was the Jew's Jew when it comes to telling the story of Jesus, like Mark was for the Gentiles, helping them understand the cross-cultural references so they could see Jesus for who he was inside of his culture, but not be so mystified by things that were very Jewish. So when Matthew was telling the story of Jesus telling stories, he has a very specific reason for putting them there and together. In the book of Matthew chapter 13, you have a number of the parables of Jesus. The parable of the sower, how he throws seed, it goes here, it goes there. And we look at that from the outside saying, what a sloppy farmer this guy is. He's throwing seed everywhere, and most of it's not growing like it's supposed to, but some of it does hit good soil. Every one of these parables is a different way of approaching the idea of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. You and I've talked about the kingdom itself around the world as being something that is more than the sum of our culture of our church experiences, of the things that we think are normal for a Christian people to do together or be together or where to do it. Mm-hmm. It is more than that. In fact, Absolutely. it's part of a continuum that goes across thousands of years and will go on into eternity that we have this little tiny slice in our experience of this time. Jump down a few parables in the same chapter and you get the two that are more famous to us. The one is the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. Mm-hmm. Those two parables are ones we preach in often because we always talk about discovering treasure, Mm -hmm. which is great. But they're not the same story. Well, I want to read with you first, honey, in verse 44, where Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, well, he covered it up again. And then in his joy, he went about and sold everything he had. And with everything he had, he bought that field. So now he owns the right to that treasure.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: That to me is a very interesting and and multi-layered parable. What's really going on? What's the man's motivation? And why is the kingdom like that treasure in the field? So who's the man? You know, He's not the kingdom yet, but it was something that was so valuable to him, he wanted it. Mm -hmm. Let's compare that with the next one, which is just the next verse down. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of incredible value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought that pearl. Okay, so we have two purchases going on and two very excited guys. Mm -hmm. But in the first parable, Jesus is saying the treasure is that treasure in the field. That is the kingdom. A man finds that kingdom and sells everything he has to go to the place where that kingdom is and know it's his. Mm -hmm. The second one is about the man looking for a pearl. That's the kingdom. In that parable, the man is the kingdom searching out value and Mm -hmm, treasure. And mm -hmm. when he finds it, he gladly sells everything he has to go get that pearl. The kingdom is in both these parables, but they're exactly the opposite position. One is being pursued, and one is the kingdom pursuing. But they're both really important. Mm. In the first one, what I see is the world looking in at the kingdom saying, wow, those are the kind of people that are absolute gold. I don't know what i got to do to be part of this, but I want to be part of that. And this man goes and does everything necessary, sells everything, stops everything, and goes and pursues that kingdom. You know, there's been a movie that's been in the theaters the past few months called The Jesus Revolution, Mm -hmm. talking about what it was like for the Jesus people movement of late 60s and 70s, discovering the kingdom and how the kingdom was just booming in Southern California and other parts of the world because it suddenly was something to be discovered. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training and theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. Will you help us get ready for the next big faith challenges and opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and relief partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text Compassion to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. there's been a movie that's been in the theaters the past few months called The Jesus Revolution, Mm -hmm. talking about what it was like for the Jesus people movement of late 60s and 70s, discovering the kingdom and how the kingdom was just booming in Southern California and other parts of the world because it suddenly was something to be discovered. The people that were in it were so pure passion and love for Jesus. Other people saw it and said, I want in. That, to me, is kind of like that first parable we're talking about here. Yeah. That people see what's going on in the fellowship and say, wow, this is incredible. This is worth something to me. Yeah. And they go out of their way to pursue us. The second is almost exactly the opposite. There are so many out there that don't understand their worth, have no idea how much of a treasure they are to God, Mm -hmm. and yet the kingdom sees them for that sees what a treasure they are, and they go and pursue that person, that treasure directly. And when they do, the treasure itself discovers that it is a treasure. And the kingdom of God comes to them and say, we just wanted you to know that you are valuable to us. Mm -hmm. Those are flip sides of exactly the same relationship. That's what I'm seeing here. Mm -hmm. And in the case of this church, it's like both the things are happening at the same time. A treasure was discovered unexpectedly, and someone who wasn't even part of a fellowship pursued that value, that treasure, and bought it. Whatever he needed to spend the money on, he spent a lot of money getting those windows out of that church. And then he went to sell it. Sadly for me, the other lesson from that one story is that the church itself couldn't see the value around them. Mm, yeah. Therefore, they let that particular treasure go away. But maybe they learned something about why we need to be pursuing people. And that real treasure, real value is in how much we love others and that others know that God loves them through us.
1: Yeah, scripture is f- Full of stories, not just parables, but actual events yeah. of throwaway people, yes. people that were labeled useless mm. of society, the outcast, the downtrodden, and the marginalized. And we see how, especially in the stories of Jesus walking through the earth, meeting these people and elevating them, mm-hmm. every time he is approached by these people who should be left out, who should be outside the gates. Jesus goes outside the gates to pursue them. He is the kingdom of heaven pursuing the marginalized. He shows them,
0: treasure in them what
1: treasures okay. that they are. I mean, we think about the lepers, all of the stories of mm. times Jesus touched lepers and healed them. and
0: Touched the blind people on the Touched rise. them,
1: touched the blind people. The woman with the issue of blood elevating her up and saying, you are valuable. And the Samaritan woman, the woman caught in adultery, we see all of these stories. And the, then the parable of the prodigal son, he squandered everything, but he was welcomed back into the kingdom yeah. by a father who loved him dearly. And I believe with all my heart, honey, that we can elevate our value by watching and listening to these stories and being that kind of kingdom. We can bring others into the kingdom because we recognize that the value in them, in the image bearers of Christ that they are.
0: So my question would be, where do we find ourselves in relation to those two particular parables?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Are we a treasure that has never been discovered and we don't realize how valuable we are? Mm. Waiting for someone all of our lives to come to say, you're important to me. Yeah. Or are we people that have a pretty good sense of what's going on in the world? And when we discover people that are really with it, mm-hmm. that really have it together, so to speak, they have community, they have love And we're willing to go out of our way and step out of our own backgrounds and cultures and say, whatever I've experienced so far at this point is nothing compared to what I see in this group of people. And we're willing to go pursue them Mm -hmm. until we're on the inside. Mm -hmm. Either way, God's work is afoot here. He is changing hearts. He's changing lives. And in the case of the first parable, the man discovers the treasure. He doesn't go steal it. He goes and sells everything he has to possess it so that he could rightfully be the owner of that treasure in that field. Mm-hmm. He discovered the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was this great treasure he stumbled over literally while walking right. through a field. And when he saw that, he said, I've just got to move here. I got to own this land. I'm going to build a farm here. I'm going to make that wealth do something. I want to be part of that wealthy thing. That thing is of such high value. There's nothing about that person pursuing that field that is underhanded. He did what was required of him. He bought the field right. and discovered this treasure. I go back to the treasure hunter in the story we've started with today, the antique dealer that saw in this opportunity. He didn't really know what all that he had. But when he started discovering from the appraisals, what I've just stumbled across is worth gazillions compared to what I paid for it. Nonetheless, he did invest a lot in that church to make it happen. It kept the church intact. He actually extracted those Tiffany glass pieces in a way that didn't destroy the church. And yeah, he's profiting from that. But he did it right. Yeah. He actually made a contract with it and pursued it honorably and honestly. And there are, I think, all kinds of people that we have no clue are honorable in their pursuit of truth, in their okay. pursuit of community, of Absolutely. pursuing what's real spiritually and want to know what love is. Mm-hmm. And are looking for it appropriately. They're not just chasing after their own desires all the time. They want to know what's real. Mm-hmm. And they're coming at us. Are we really willing to be received, to be willing to receive them when they come to us? Mm-hmm. Or are we so hard and so hidden that we are not willing to welcome anybody in?
1: Yeah. And suspicious. We have to yeah. release that tendency to be suspicious of others that come in that we don't know.
0: I've been shamed a number of times on our travels and not shamed literally by people saying shame on you, but just in my heart feeling I should be better than this. Mm. Because when you go someplace and you meet the kingdom of God in a culture that's not your own, and they look at you and they just immediately throw their faces and their arms wide open and mm-hmm. say welcome we're so glad you came yeah. they have no idea who we are from adam and yet we're welcomed in they, they put us up they house us they feed us they bring us into their worship and we get to celebrate with them experience the kingdom mm-hmm. in their culture in that time yeah. it's yeah. phenomenal but I didn't have the right to go marching in there. And I think, how many times was I willing and ready in my own worship culture back home to say, well, those are people I've never seen here before, and go out of my way to pursue them say, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. How often does that really happen for us in a comfortable culture like America? Are we willing at that moment to say, treasure might just literally walk in the door this yeah. morning, Yeah. and I've got to treat it like that. But we have seen it everywhere in the world we've traveled.
1: Absolutely, we have. I think it just is another reminder to me that I have to take off my own rose-colored glasses to see the actual stained glass that is in front of (laughs) me. There you go. You know, I've covered it with grime. I've covered it with my own preconceived notions. I've covered it with an agenda and have not searched out the treasure. And sometimes you're right, honey. Sometimes we just stumble upon things that once we look at it closely, we realize, wow, this is treasure. Yeah. This is some beauty that I was not expecting. And then there are those times when we are searching it out
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we spend lifetimes searching out this treasure and then find it. We have to have the right balance of both of those things. We have to find the balance of searching for treasure, mm-hmm. being open to treasure, and then also being open to God causing us to stumble over treasure. Yeah. You know, So both of those things are necessary in our life to pursue the kingdom of God. Be open to the treasure that's around you and be open to being surprised by treasure.
0: Yeah. And being overjoyed that you discovered yes, it. Yes. And the last question I'll ask, honey, is why do you think that those particular windows were treasures? What is it about them that was intrinsically valuable? That people mm-hmm. be willing to spend a quarter of a million dollars to buy that window. What is it about them that yes. makes them valuable?
1: I think the name Tiffany has something to do with it, that they are valuable because of the craftsmanship that went into them. Now, I read, too, in this article that there are patrons of these buildings, these churches that were built at the turn of the century, especially in the 1900s, that rich members would support the church through these kind of gifts, you know, when they're building these beautiful sanctuaries. Right. Often we see that in stories now. and We knew a church when we lived in Texas that was gifted a huge organ for hundreds of thousands of dollars that they honestly didn't need and don't use it anymore because they don't know the treasure that they have. And we think, oh, that's such a waste of money. And there's all kinds of arguments you can make against and for that sort of thing. One of the things that I am realizing I'm learning is that I don't get to decide what's valuable to God, Mm -hmm. or what's necessary for people to worship, for Mm -hmm. others to worship. I know what I feel like I need in a worship setting, and others may have strong opinions about that, but I don't get to decide that for other people. God is the one that looks at our offering Mm -hmm. and says, yeah, I accept it. Well done. Your heart has given this.
0: A Tiffany window is a masterpiece because it was made by a master artist. Exactly. And a master work is produced by a master. Mm -hmm. I would pray that we would be willing to see the master work in people that we've never met before, Mm -hmm. because God does, without even a question. Indeed, this person is a treasure. Mm -hmm. Let's not let them go. And conversely, that we would be so well worked over by the master that people would look at us in the fellowship of the church, the kingdom of God around the world, and see... Absolute masterful work in us. So much so they can't escape the beauty of what God's doing among us. I think if both those things are happening in this world, that the kingdom of God will continue to boom. And that's my hope in the generations to come that that kind of kingdom would be a living reality for us.
2: So beautiful.
0: And that's all we have for Compassion Radio's 360 for this week. Of course, on Monday we have a Compassion Radio Chasing the Word episode. We're working our way through the book of Psalms, the Psalms of David specifically. We hope you'll join us for that. that.
2: is his fame, great is his kingdom, and great is his grace.
0: Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.